you're knowing yourself as a prerequisite for rectifying yourself as a prerequisite for the study of Torah. That's really how it goes. Torah Valby puts it across. He says, step number one is you have to know yourself. Without knowing yourself, so you can't begin the process of tikkun, which is fixing yourself. Because if you don't know the machine, you can't fix it. If you don't know how it works and you try to fix it, you don't fix it, you break it. And the machine is not a generic model, it's actually specific. So step number one is knowing yourself. If you don't know yourself and you don't understand how you work, you don't understand why you get angry and when you get angry, you don't understand why you're selfish and when you're selfish, you don't understand why you are enthusiastic and when you are enthusiastic, you don't understand why you're deep and searching for the truth and when that happens, if you don't understand how the machine works and you try to get rid of the kinks in the system, you can't begin because you don't know the operating mechanism. So step number one when advancing in Avodah Hashem is understanding the mechanism of operation. Without that, you're already left with no means to affect any kind of lasting change inside of yourself because how can you fix a machine when you don't understand how it works? Step number one. Step number two, you have to do this because if you don't do this, what happens is your perspective, understanding and grasp of Torah becomes distorted because we all have biases, we all have different negative traits putting us in all kinds of different and strange directions and therefore if we don't fix those up and then we enter into a Torah as a crook itself so what we'll tend to do is manipulate the ways of Torah in the direction which suit us which of course is a, will be a distortion and will be more than um, able to bring proofs to support our distorted approaches so step number one is know the machine, then you can fix it up. Step number two is actually fix it up. And step number three is, and then you can learn Torah. But, even in learning Torah, there's, there's a specific emphasis demanded. And that is two sources that we saw previously, which um, indicate that a person has to be aware of his talents and his weaknesses. in being aware of my talents and weaknesses I can begin the process of the true service of Hashem which becomes a completely individual act impossible to imitate from others because since all of us are delicately designed, extremely complex machines with different operating mechanisms, even though there are some common overlaps, my weaknesses are not necessarily shared by those around me. And for my weaknesses, I have to set up some type of defense mechanism in order not to fall prey to them. My weakness, let us say, I have many, but to pick on one of them is a desire to eat and eat and eat some more let's say and therefore and therefore and therefore 
and therefore since later that's my desire so when I'm eating normal food that's okay but what happens if I desire to eat something which is no it's not trafe really but it's seemingly borderline hmm so I say well I'll use that old rule of thumb that the more tasty the food the more lenient you can be with the heksha it's called the expanding heksha theory you start off with a very strict limit of what you should eat and then you say, but that's talking about if you happen to like the food. If, however, there's better food available which, and more lenient texture, so go for that. And if it's tastier, so ultimately if it's extremely delicious, so then you can assume that the ingredients are kosher. I mean, after all, all meat's kosher, no? Unless it's not kosher, but I'm sure this one's a kosher kind. So it becomes problematic. So therefore, I as a person, because I have that, that, let's say, that weakness, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that I make a strong boundary and I, and, and I just set a limit. Which is a fascinating point, because I think one of the, 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 the things that we struggle with the most in our Vajit Hashem are the setting limitations, we've discussed this before, without falling into the trap of guilt. Understanding that there has to be boundaries to my actions, and being able to deal with those boundaries in a emotionally healthy fashion. For example, in, in most areas in life, success is bred by understanding the rules of the game. Rules are the list of boundaries which apply to the particular endeavor. The rules of a, of a, of a soccer game, of course, are, are quite cut and dry. No offsides, no handballs, etc. What are the rules? What are the rules of hello? What are the rules of the manner in which I eat? What are the rules of walking? What are the rules of speaking? What are the rules of the way I should hold my head or incline my ear or sit? Those also have rules, no? We know they have rules. We have rules of walking. You only have to look at the Monty Python's Ministry of Funny Walks to see the kind of walks you can pull off. A reference to an antiquated British comedy whereby there was a person that demonstrated a wide variety of funny walks. You know, you'd, you'd be walking up and down and there was the person walking perfectly normally and then there would be the, the right ankle twist, left ankle. And there would be the, the semi-goose step walk. And these are a wide variety of different walks. Now, the truth is, as I look around me, there are not that many people are walking in that way. Because there's a rule of walking. But the truth is, when you become an expert walker, as the Rambam points out in Hilchot Deot, there are different ways of walking. And he, 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 he differentiates. For example, he says, the way of walking where you place your ankle so carefully next to um, your, sorry, your heel so carefully next to your toe and you walk like this with nose in the air as if proclaiming through every step I am God's greatest gift to mankind slowly see that's the wrong way to walk you can't walk like that and the way you hold your posture, like this, wrong. You can't stick your nose in the air. But on the other hand, the Rambam says, 
You can't walk over hunchback, hunchback. That's also the wrong way to walk. So how should you walk? So he plots the way to walk. So the person has to walk with purpose and direction, eyes looking in front of him, slightly downwards. And that's the way to walk. That's a walking. So you see that walking has its boundaries. So the rules which define the limitations of the given activity are crucial for its proper maintenance and we all realize that in some dimension of our life. However, when it comes to spirituality, for some reason it becomes enmeshed with guilt and guilt is a negative emotion which comes directly from the other side and is there to subdue us and suppress us and stop us from reaching excellence in our voice. It's a shame because what guilt does is it relates to an event in the past and it says you are bad and projects into the future and says and therefore you will be bad so therefore it debilitates whereas a person who's engaged in a pursuit which has rules and he breaks the rules generally he doesn't respond with guilt he responds with action for example you've been hired to do a job you're, you're contracted to do a design project and they pay you for the project and there's a cut of time a month the end of the month you've been negligent in what your contract was and you haven't finished the work why not because the truth is you went out drinking with your buddies pretty often in fact too often and therefore you so so the the the, the, the your um <coughs> the person that you did the contract for comes to you and says okay where's all the work is i'm really sorry i just haven't i haven't done it so they'll probably say no work no pay and you'll be working at this for a month even though you haven't finished it but you get no pay so at the end of that experience you don't feel guilty you feel stupid you feel what's called regret you say oh my gosh that was so silly of me to behave in the manner i behaved i should have regret is when you look back at the past and you don't use it to inform in the future to make inactivity like guilt does you don't say i always was bad i always will be bad you look back in the past and you say i could have done better and you project into the future i will do better so the response to boundaries with regret as opposed to guilt empowers encourages revitalizes whereas the response to the response to boundaries which is suffused with guilt demotivates suppresses and disencourages a person from succeeding but boundaries need to be there so if I have a particular weakness in a particular area says the Vilna God Holech Hashem quotes a pasuk in Mishnah which says a person that walked in his straightness is one who fears Hashem and the Vilna God says obviously it doesn't say in straightness it says in his straightness because he says there's a part of us which is crooked and that's the part you have to straighten up even though everyone around you doesn't have that problem everyone around you doesn't have that problem but you have that problem everyone around you can can be exposed to back to our food muscle a wide variety of suffolk maybe could be kosher things and they won't be tempted you will be tempted so then you have to do something that everyone else doesn't do everyone else just walks past what you do is you don't go to that venue ah everyone looks at you and they say why why don't you come in there come on it's not a big deal and they try to convince you because they don't have that same challenge when you resist 
the peer group pressure and you assert your individuality you have become a Yorei Hashem Be'emes then your true integrity shines through until that point when you just go along with the masses for good or for bad so then your true integrity is hidden knowing yourself you have to know your weaknesses but you also have to know your strengths if a person doesn't know his strengths so he can't possibly achieve his mission in the world because a person's mission in the world is to take his strengths and to refine them it's not to take his weaknesses and overcome them because if you manage to overcome your weaknesses you'll be starting at zero whereas if you take your strengths and you refine them you'll reach excellence for example people have confusion as to why they should focus on their strengths and not their weaknesses but the truth is in life no one has an issue if you have been put in charge of a you're a captain of a team and say it's a basketball team and you're trying to select players you do not choose the 4.2 um, height challenged individual to, to be on the team if you have a choice of a 7 foot 4 unheight challenged or height unchallenged you pick the person that's best for the job and you don't get a person that's bad for the job to do it we all have a job to do and therefore we have to use our strengths to get there however this again is prefaced by the point that we have to know what our strengths are otherwise it never ever ever begins are you following me so far on this balmy Monday afternoon how, how would those two play out that the whether you your strengths and your weaknesses how, how would those play out in the Bodhis Hashem like because I, I, I with the basketball muscle I see you obviously want to win a game but um, I guess in Bodhis Hashem you still want to take you still want to take your so weaknesses the, the basketball the basketball option is you, you the goal is to to make sure that your team wins there's an objective and you have to make sure that through all the parts of the team all the all players participating together so the team will ultimately come out victorious so you need to focus on your strengths to do that each one has to be fully utilizing what he can do best so the Jewish people as a whole are a team and they're trying to achieve as a whole they want to win the game the game we're playing is we're trying to create a awareness of Hashem in this world so that the entire universe the entire world that we know it from the Chinese to the Nepalese to the Incas to whoever will know that Hashem Echodesh Mechod that's called winning the game now in order for us to win that game every member of the Jewish people has to be utilizing his unique potentials to the nth degree in coordination with everyone else that's why an interesting in the Kuda is that when it's not coordinated when it's not as a part of a team so then the whole thing falls to pieces as we saw that the reason for the destruction of the second temple was Sinas Chinam you had people doing very well they were learning Torah they were doing Chesed but there wasn't coordination between the team members there was discourse there was conflict now once the team doesn't cooperate so then you lose the game you can have the best players in the world but if you're not going to pass the ball you're going to lose
So it's not enough just to refine and enhance your own talents. You actually have to be a team player, which means you have to see how everyone else around me, I can cooperate with them and together, each one using his own unique talents, we can affect the greater good. So there's a lot of practical examples of those even which are which are like required by halacha. For example, davening in a minion. When you daven in a minion, the power of your tefillah is increased. So therefore, when you're trying to affect the world through your prayer, so then you do it in this way. Now, within that minion though, each person's tefillah plays a unique role. You can affect something that no one else in the room can affect, but by all of you doing what you're meant to do, boom! A powerful tefillah is created. By you learning the parts of Torah that you are the best at, and him the best that he's learning at, we all can contribute to a great understanding insight to the Revelation of Adam's Torah. But if I slack off, so that's going to affect everyone around me. Slack, slack off in your talents? Or, or, or I, I'm just asking, how do you see it? Like, like the basketball, martial art, I, I see it. Obviously, you have to do what you're best at. You, you take right. the tallest guy, you, you're the center. So the, the basketball player, let's go back to him. So he's seven foot four, and he's a fantastic shooter. The problem is, the problem is, his coordination isn't that great. So he has, he has, he has problem like bouncing the ball. So what do you do? So you want him to use his talents as a shooting because he's a fantastic thrower. But he's a really bad bouncer. So how do you deal with that? You have to take, you have to balance his weaknesses and his strengths. So, so therefore, what you have to do is you have to make sure that, that, he's in a position that he doesn't have to do too much dribbling and a lot of passing. So that you make sure that the, the strengths are allowed to come out by doing actions which stop the weaknesses from manifesting. Um, there's, 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 there's a deeper stage to, to this which we can go into a late stage, but for the moment I think we can stop there. Um,